Hello, and welcome to Tech in Maine Presents. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech in Maine Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we will be speaking with Ray Abram of Coca-Cola. Ray, say hello to the Tech in Maine Presents audience. Hey, Tech in Maine. <laughs> this is great, you know, having a, having a good time and looking forward to this, uh, this interview with you, Sean. Well, Ray, I appreciate your insight and what you're going to share with our audience. And uh, just to give a little bit of background on how we connected, uh, we met at a conference back in May of this year. And so Ray and I were on the same panel talking about technology and specifically cybersecurity. And so we've stayed in contact and developed a friendship since earlier in the year and uh, felt that it would be good for our audience to hear from Ray and what's going on there in his world as it pertains to cybersecurity. Well, Ray, with that introduction, why don't you share a little bit of your background with our audience? Sure, sure. So graduated from Hampton University with a speech communication major, but always had, even before that, had a love for technology and computers, probably was the first person definitely that I knew that owned a, a personal computer back in the, the mid-80s and loved uh, you know, getting online. And after, uh, you know, after school, kind of just went to corporate, didn't really take on a technology career. But around 99, 2000, when the internet really started taking off, I realized that this was an opportunity for me to combine my love for technology and actually uh, make a living at it. So went back to school and, and became a certified web developer and, you know, just learned everything from SQL Server to Java to everything and, uh, you know, kind of set up shop as a web developer. Did that for a number of years for different companies uh, around uh, in the Atlanta area and actually uh, even even uh, nationally. Then kind of went back to work. Now I've got my skills, started doing consulting, contracting for various companies, mainly here in the Atlanta area. With uh, worked at uh, Bell South, then uh, then became AT and T, Cox, company called PGI, and uh, now I've ended up here with uh, with Coca Cola. So. That's my background, pretty much in a nutshell. Done, done everything in technology, and uh, now focused on uh, on cybersecurity. Great, and so Ray, thank you for sharing that background. Um, that's a, a, a very well-rounded background, I must say. And um, the experience that you have obviously bodes well for you with what you're doing currently at Coca-Cola. And so, just share with us what has you most excited about your work there. So, I, you know, what I love about here is that it's really cutting edge, you know, for a big kind of old school manufacturing company. It really, you know, they, they decided to make an investment, you know, kind of go into this next decade with, uh, you know, top of the line tools, invest in AI, you know, invest in uh machine learning, all type of uh, data analytics, big data. And so really, you know, it's really uh, IT lovers dream shop, whereas uh, the, the, the leadership here has vision and, um, and they're backing it up with, uh, with, with action uh, to make sure that the folks in IT have the latest and greatest tools, particularly in cybersecurity, where, you know, the threats are changing and the landscape is changing and advancing and there's new threats every day. So uh, we have been uh, given a better than average free reign on 
trying to figure out ways to stop those threats before we are, before we're breached. So I'm really, really excited about having that support from, uh, from the leadership team. Well, and I, I will say it sounds as though they have taken the time to survey the corporate landscape and they realize that they have information that people want, obviously beyond the products and services that they put out to consumers, that information that resides on those corporate servers is very important. And it sounds as though they are very aware of what is going on in today's environment and they're putting their money where their mouth is. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep, that's it. Okay, great. And so with that, Ray, given your your background and your your focus on cybersecurity, what is one common cybersecurity issue that you find companies are facing today? Yeah, I think the biggest issue is human factor. I mean, you can put up all the firewalls and AI and Splunk and whatever else you have to monitor your network and, and look for things people trying to hack. But it only takes that one person to click a, a, a fishy email and put in their credentials as someone is now an authorized user on your network, right? So the biggest issue that I think we face is, is just that, that person, that, that line worker who believes that, yeah, there's no hacker trying to hack my computer. Or even if they did hack my computer, I don't have a secret formula. I don't have anybody's social security number. So all they'll get is some some emails about my paper shuffling work. Not And they don't understand that once somebody has access to the system, that they can multiply those effects throughout the network. So the biggest issue is and, and not just my thought, but I say, think statistically, 95% of all breaches occur through through uh, just workers, knowledge workers, clicking a phishing email. So the biggest issue is is that, in my opinion. Great. And so given that the human factor, as you said, is the most common issue that you're seeing, what's one strategy that you could share that would help overcome that human issue? You know, the first step I think is, is training, right? So we have to make sure that folks know we in the tech industry take for granted that people know about phishing emails and they know about, they should lock their laptop even if they're going away to the bathroom for a few minutes. Don't leave your, your PC and or your phone on the table in Starbucks when you go get your coffee. Just different things like that, we have to train people. But but on top of that, because training is one step, but I think the second step is to actually create a culture of safety. There's a book uh, I really like uh, called Habits by Charles Duhigg. And in that book, he kind of talks about, there's a company called Alcoa. And Alcoa was on the verge of bankruptcy. It was out big, the biggest aluminum company in the world. And they wanted to verge a bankruptcy. And they brought in a new CEO. And the first thing he did was, was address safety concerns in the plants. And of course, most people thought he was crazy, but he understood that when you create a culture of safety, then everything else, then people become more protect, productive. They, they enjoy coming to work. They, they, you know, they feel like somebody's looking out for them. And so what, uh, and, 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 and in that story, he turned the company around. 
And I think that in, in most companies, if you create a culture of cyber secure behaviors so that people just habitually close their laptop when they leave it, when they don't click phishing email, they report them. By creating that culture, huge return on investment and you, you can spend less money on tools and on software and on monitoring systems if your people are, are monitoring the system for you. Well, Ray, you just shared some really interesting things there. And I think um, for the folks that are listening, I want to unpack a little bit what you mentioned mm-hmm. as far as training and culture. And so the training, obviously, sounds like that's very much a common sense approach to yes. you know, the environment that we live in today. Like you said, if you're going to Starbucks, keep your laptop and your cell phone with you until you get to your table and your items are secure with you. Yes. But then culture, I think that's a really, really interesting component because everyone within the corporation is a part mm-hmm. of the security team, whether yeah. it's the lady greets you as you're walking into the building, whether it's the gentleman that asks you, you know, how your weekend was, even though they are not directly employed as a part of the IT staff or as a part of um, the security staff, they all play a part in making sure that cybersecurity is embedded in that corporate culture. That's it. And it's such a, it's, it's an investment. That's really where, where you have to, leadership needs to understand or has to understand that, yes, it's an investment. You know, you may spend a million dollars training your staff, right? But I think about how much it costs when you look at some of these breaches that happened from the, the Equifax or the Chase or some that were less publicized, you know, as like Merck, you know, where they ended up having to buy 10,000 laptops. You know, they had to replace everybody's laptop because of a, a virus that got into the system. City of Atlanta, you know, being shut down for a month. I think Baltimore, City of Baltimore shut down for two or three months. Then you think about the real cost of that. Whereas if you have a culture, if you invest on the front end in a culture of cyber awareness to prevent the virus, right? To prevent as best you can, and nothing is perfect, but but I look at the example I always use is smoking. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm barely old enough to remember when everybody smoked. You may remember that too. I do. Right, where you couldn't walk into a restaurant or people smoked on planes, they smoked on buses, they smoked in your hotel room. You were mentioning being of an age where you remember a time when everyone smoked. Yeah, everybody smoking. And 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 I don't, I don't know if you caught this, but I, but I was saying that the government decided to make an investment. So in for over a period of about five years, between 1999 and 2005 or so, you know, we went from smoking being extremely prevalent to almost no one smoking anymore, where you, you're almost shocked if you walked into a restaurant and saw somebody lighting a cigarette, you know? I mean, matter of fact, I think it's illegal. You know, and on buses, public places, hospitals, schools, there's nobody smokes anymore. So that's the type of investment that needs to be made. But you see, but can you imagine the benefits now that, you know, the, the reduction in, in cancer and, and early death because of, uh, because of cigarette smoking is staggering. So I just use that as well as an example of you can change a culture 
but you have to make that investment and and be very uh, be very consistent with your messaging about this is who we are as a company and cybersecurity is important to us. So once you do that for a long, and it's not going to happen overnight, right? It takes years. But but if you but if you consistently get that message out, you'll have a frontline personnel. Your personnel will be your frontline defense, and you can reduce your spend on advanced software and monitoring and outside consultants and all that stuff. And you also reduce your risk of a billion dollar breach. These companies, and, and quite often is not publicized. The ones you hear that are publicized probably is the tip of the iceberg, right? There's thousands of these breaches that happen and for hundreds of millions of dollars, never gets reported. So if you can get your frontline personnel watching your system for you, monitoring your system for you, you can reduce your chance of having that business impacting breach. I think that's a, an, an excellent point that you make. You're, yeah. you're not going to necessarily eliminate completely those data incidences or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's no such thing as a 100% secure system, but right. certainly with the things that you've shared over the last few minutes, businesses can reduce the attack surface. They can reduce the likelihood that they'll be breached because again, you've, you've got multiple eyes on it as opposed to just a few that are in the, you know, IT department or that are a member of your security team. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, great. So Ray, let's pivot into learning a little bit more about Ray Abram. And so we'll, um, we'll, we'll kick off with this first question. Name your favorite musician. And why? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kanye West. It's kind of a tough question because I like a lot of different people. I like Kanye West because he has the ability to span a lot of different genres and still turn out really good music. I mean, it's really difficult to have, I guess he's had six albums now that are all successful and and all have good songs on them. So it's really difficult to do that. And And so while he kind of became a lightning rod for some criticisms due to some political stances. I, uh, I still think just musically, he is, uh, he's great. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Kanye. I think politically, obviously you can agree or disagree with him, but you know, one of the things that you cannot disagree with is the, content and the music that he's put out. And so it's it's been interesting to watch him since the early 2000s when he put out the college dropout to where mm-hmm. he is now. And again, you can debate where he stands ideologically, but his music still resonates. Right? Yes. And so I, I think you you've um you 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 picked a you picked a very interesting and good choice. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All okay. right. And so on to sports. Ray, what's your favorite sports team? That's also tough. But, you know, I, I tend to, I have to go with the Hawks simply because I live here in Atlanta. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with the Hawks. And one day they're going to bring home a championship for me. Yeah. I said, <sighs> forget the Washington Nationals can doggone do it. The Hawks will do it one day. I applaud the hope that you have in the Hawks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I will say as a 
as a sports fan myself and a resident of Atlanta currently, I yeah. I do root for the Hawks, but I think the the Hawks, like a number of the other Atlanta teams, um, mm-hmm. they and and it's interesting. We we talked about this as it related to cybersecurity, but culture that yeah. is so huge. Yeah, and you you have to infuse your team with a winning culture. And it's not just getting rid of yes. one or two players. There's a uh, there's an article that I came across recently, and it talked about the owner of the Falcons and Atlanta United, and they were contrasting how one team, Atlanta United, has already won a championship mm-hmm. in their league, and they're only two or yeah. three years old. Yes. Whereas the Falcons haven't won a championship, although they came really close. But the person that wrote the article talked about how Atlanta United, they have a true front office staff and ownership has given them the ability to run the franchise. And you can see the results that have come as a result. Yes. No pun intended. But the results speak for themselves. They they have a championship. But ownership with the Atlanta Falcons is very personally involved and they were saying how you need to allow the people that you brought on the bus to do what you brought them on the bus to do and so um yeah so just a a very interesting contrast and how culture does play a part not only as it relates to corporations and cybersecurity, but also um, sports as well Absolutely, man. And, and it's unfortunate. Uh, it really, to me, it breaks my heart. Atlanta is great in so many different areas, right? You would think that we could have winning sports teams, or at least in the, in the what's the word I'm looking to say, in the running every year. And our football team has kind of disappointed us the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but we're actually in the record books for two different things. So the football team is the only team in history of the NFL to lose when they were up 28-3 in Super Bowl. (laughs) You know, and lose a game, right? Ever in history. And 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 it may actually, I think it might actually be in the history of the sport, actually. Now that I think about it, I think what I heard the rumor was it was history of the sport. Oh, wow, that's even worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's ever been up 28-3 at halftime and then lost. No, it must be Super Bowl. But also with the uh, the recent Braves uh, debacle, where uh, the opposing team got eleven runs in the first inning, like eleven to one. I know, and that's like never happened in professional baseball. Like nobody's ever gotten eleven eleven runs in the first inning. So yeah, we're 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 set. We're going. We're we're hustling backwards, as we say. We're we're setting <laughs> records for the worst team. Right, we're teams. We're being known for things that we shouldn't be associated with. Exactly. You know, other teams in Chicago, I think, you know, uh, recently won. They had won in 60 years now with the Nationals. So we'll see. But, you know, things, things change. You know, you never know, man. We, it may take a few years, but we'll get the right players. We'll get a, a couple of uh, what's the word, key players. For some reason, this is really the issue. You know, I don't want to labor sports. I know that we're on a technology podcast. But I think the the issue is the the city is not attracting the the top the premier talent. We're, we're not attracting, and so you know the, the LeBron James. Uh, you know we're never in that conversation, right? Of 
where the Steph Curry is going to go, you know, or uh, uh, KD. We weren't in that conversation, right? Uh, KD may come to uh, come to Atlanta. So once we kind of get to, once we start getting that, those conversations happening and that consideration by premier championship talent, uh, once we get that, then I think we can turn it around. But I, I don't know how to do it. Well, that is that is the question of the day, right? And if we knew we'd we'd be in a different business, and um, we'd be having direct influence over that. So yep. uh, until then, we'll just sit as fans armchair, and um, chair. Uh, yeah, arm, armchair quarterback. Armchair quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Ray, tell us what's your what's your favorite vacation spot. I'm gonna tell you, I went. I recently went to Athens, Greece, and uh, just had such a such a good time there. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the weather's perfect. It's like Miami. It's like the, the Miami of Europe. The beaches and uh, just relax. Everybody's chill. Yeah, food is great. View is amazing. Weather was perfect. So definitely worth a, worth a flight if you're going to Europe. I think a lot of people go to the, you know, to Paris and London and things like that. But yeah, uh, Athens is the spot. Okay. And was there one particular place that stood out to you? Maybe a particular attraction or uh, maybe some place you went to eat that really resonated with you? Um, that's a good question. It was a couple of places. I can't pronounce anything. So that's my problem. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the pronunciation, you know, in, in, in Greece, as a matter of fact, I posted uh, on my Instagram. I, I pledged a uh, Greek fraternity in college, and you know, part of the process, you have to learn the Greek alphabet, which ca- actually came in handy. I could read some of the street signs, and I had, had some idea. But as far as uh, actually pronouncing some of the uh, restaurants, I couldn't. But, but the part that I was really, I think, impressive. It's impressive to look upon, and then you know, also kind of the history of it. And understanding that it's been there, you know, I guess 3,000 years, you know, it's like, wow. An interesting fact that the word marathon comes from Athens. Because, well, there's a city named Marathon that's 26 miles away from Athens. Really? And yes, yes. And some messenger ran the whole way. So Marathon apparently had won some battle or something. And so the messenger Athens was the, the again the where the king or emperor of Greece sat, and he ran the he was so excited he ran the whole twenty six miles, and, and so they created the marathon because of that to honor him and celebrate it. So and now there's actually a race up there. There's actually an, an official marathon between Athens and Marathon, or they run, I'm not sure which way they run, but. Yeah, every year. Oh, that's it's like uh, the official. It's the official marathon. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat. So interesting, interesting fact. I'm not a runner, so I won't be running it. But <laughs> I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> oh, that's great, Ray. I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. And then um, the last question here, okay. as we wrap up, is: What one person are you following that's innovative? I follow well uh, Erica Dawan. Uh, she has a book on uh, connectional intelligence which i think is uh kind of the the new new speaking and kind of goes back to to culture and how i think the book is get get big things done where or get yeah, get big things done where you know she kind of talks about how as a group as a culture 
company can get a lot done better if it works together. Or the traditional view of big corporations is everything is a silo. You have your finance people, you have your IT people, you have your sales people, your marketing people, yada, yada. But her kind of concept of creating small teams, cross-functional teams that work together to get big things done is, uh, I think, quite uh, quite revolutionary. And, uh, and I hope the message gets through. Great. And so we'll definitely put that information in the show notes. And then, Ray, as we wrap up, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can follow me uh, on Instagram. I think that's where I do most of my posting at, at Ray underscore Abram as well as uh, Facebook. Yeah, I just use my name on all my socials, so I don't have any fancy uh, fancy name. So yeah, just just stuff. Yeah, Ray underscore Abram or, or uh, go to my website, rayabram.com. Great. And we'll be sure to put all of that good information, including the books that Ray mentioned in the show notes. And so Ray, with that, awesome. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you um, sure. sharing with us and uh, it's a great conversation sure. and I'm glad we got yeah. to know you a little better. Same here. Thanks so much, Sean. I appreciate you. All right. right. And with that, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time when we'll have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to check back regularly for the next episode and tell your friends Thank you.